welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Heavenly Father who spoke to Moses on the mountain. The word was near to him. It was on his lips and in his heart. It was a word about Jesus. You were with him. Lord, would you be present with us this morning? Would you be on my lips and in our hearts? Would you give us your grace this morning? Your grace that leads to obedience and faith? We need you to do that. Lord, give us the conviction of our words, recognizing that we speak about what we love. Lord, would you help us to love you and speak about you? We thank you for your mercy that is on display here this morning in the gathering of this people. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Most of you in this room know that I am a man of many, many, many words. <laughs> if something can be said with one sentence, I will use three sentences. I talk a lot. Just ask my wife. Frederick Beekner once said that sermons are like jokes. Even the best ones are hard to remember. He went on to say that ideally the thing to remember is not the preacher's eloquence, but the lump in your throat, the lump in your throat. And I've had a lump in my throat all week uh, since Father Ben's sermon last week where he pleaded with each of us and every one of us to speak up. And the verse that came into my mind many times and in many ways was from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Father Ben said last week that the gospel is not a private word. It's not even a private word for this space and this room. It is good news for all nations. But still, I also have in my head Proverbs 10, which says, when words are many, this is this probably should be my life verse. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. You see, words are either swords or scalpels. They always cut. They always cut. Words have power. The Apostle James once wrote as a warning to preachers that even one word out of my mouth, like a spark to flame, one word has the power to burn up an entire forest. And in our reading this morning from Romans, which Tom read for us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Words are the very means of salvation. Hearing words and responding with words of confession and of faith. 
with a word, the very word made flesh. Jesus spoke everything that is into existence out of nothing. On the last day, Jesus will open his mouth and speak a word and the battle will be over. Jesus spoke you into existence, not just Adam, not just Eve. He spoke you into existence, each and every person created in in the image of God to be a little speaker. To be a little speaker, a little creator, a little creator with their words. To quote Frederick uh, Beekner once more, I love you. I hate you. I forgive you. I am afraid. Who knows what such words do? But whatever it is, it can never be undone. Something that lay hidden in the heart is irrevocably released through speech into time, is given substance and tossed like a stone into the pool of history where the concentric rings lap out endlessly. Words not only say something, they actually do something. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me is the biggest lie you've ever been told. Words can either bring life, they can create or make us alive, or they bring death, they tear us down or destroy. What we speak about matters for eternity. I don't know anyone who doesn't want to be a life giver. I've not met that person who doesn't want to be a life giver, to create with their words, to make something happen. But the reality is that every one of us doesn't. We don't need any help from the world to speak lies to our neighbor. We all speak, as the psalmist says, with flattering lips and a double heart. Out of a broken and sinful heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. And if that weren't enough, We all live in a world where we constantly hear and we see destructive words. And we don't just hear those words. We give give hearty approval to them. We devote ourselves to this destructive speech. So here's the question that I've been meditating on this week from from Father Ben's sermon. How do I become the kind of person who speaks words of life And not, as is my nature and yours, words of death. How can I become the kind of person who speaks good news, not just in this room, but in all of my life, not with just my words, but with my actions, not only with my lips, but with my life, as we say in the prayer. I want to be a good news proclaimer to translate an evangelist. I want to be a gospel-centered person. Don't you? Don't you? This Sunday morning is World Mission Sunday. And with Father Ben last week, I think we all want to be people who not only speak good news privately when it's comfortable, but we go out into the world to all peoples and places and proclaim the gospel. Yes, even our enemies. Now, one way to get good at speaking the gospel outside the four walls of this church 
is to memorize a script. Know your gospel tract backwards and forwards. Give that tract to anyone and everyone who will listen and repeat. Now, I, I say that and uh, I, I, want, I want you to hear my sincerity in saying that. We need to praise God for this. I know too many people in my generation. I've read so many books that look down their nose at this method of evangelism. Shame on them and shame on me. We in this room follow a powerful godly script in worship every Sunday. So why not use one when we talk to our neighbors? But... No matter how many times I have cards in my pocket and I carry them around, I've never really been good at following a set pattern. Um, Yeah, you know, if you know me well, I just go off. And if I'm honest, it's probably mostly because of my pride and my fear. If I had to guess, there are many here just like me. So again, the question, how can I become, how can we become the kind of person who speaks good news. And here is going to be the broken record for the rest of my life. It's the only way I know how to do it. You have to devote yourself to the Bible. You have to devote yourself to the Bible. We speak to the degree that we are spoken to. Not just as infants and toddlers and developmental psychology and all that kind of fun stuff, which I love, We are all parrots. The words we read, what we listen to, the pictures we see, the consistent conversations we have, these are the things that we speak about. This is one of the reasons why parents are so annoying. They're insufferable. All they do is talk about their kids, and even when they get away from the kids for a date, what do they do? They talk about the kids. If you spend all day listening to and devoting yourself to fill in the blank, you will talk about that. You will talk about that. What goes in must come out. And the biblical authors are devoted to the biblical authors over and over again. And so must we. Each gospel, each letter in our New Testament proclaims the gospel in a unique way, but they are all on the same sheet of music. Every single page of the New Testament is absolutely packed with Old Testament. Every single page of the Old Testament is packed with the Old Testament before that part of the Old Testament. If the Bible is like a symphony orchestra... Each of the 27 books of the New Testament and the 39 books of the Old Testament are playing on the same sheet of music. There are different instruments, different movements. Sometimes there are dissonant notes that take a few bars to resolve. And like a great piece of music, you can devote your whole life to listening to just one instrument, one part of the orchestra, and you'll still never exhaust the beauty of that one little part. One of the many things Paul says in the beginning of Romans 
is that there is a great advantage to hearing God's word. The oracles of God over and over again. Romans 3.1, look it up. Like listening to the same composer for decades, when the song comes on, you recognize the tune. Our lectionary reading from Romans chapter 10 is packed with melodies from Deuteronomy and Joel, Isaiah, Psalms, and many others. And I don't know about you, but I, I like a Gentile, feel like I'm out of it. I don't, I don't understand the tune because I don't read my Bible enough. I don't know the song well enough. I get lost. So I go back to listen to the song of Moses in Deuteronomy. I listen to the overture of Isaiah or the bold movement of Joel and the symphonic harmonies of the Psalms. The Old Testament is not a long list of rules. That's that's such a very small part of the Old Testament. Most of the Old Testament is a collection of stories and poems and songs and stories are meant to be told. Poems are meant to be read And songs are meant to be sung. Or as Paul says in Romans, it is not the hearers of the stories who are justified. It's those that do them, that tell them, that enact them in their lives. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 again. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the song we sing. This is Moses' song. He was powerless without God. God had to come first. Abraham was childless without God. Israel was hopeless without grace. From the beginning of the story to the end of the story, the pattern is the same. The melody carries the same tune. God's grace is given followed by faith and trust in his speech and his word and his authority to execute his plan. And then we walk in obedience of faith. What goes in must come out. The only way I've found to be devoted to speaking good news is to read it and to hear it and to sing it and inwardly digest this good news over and over again. And this is just what the biblical authors do. They're, they're, they're devoted to the Bible over and over again. The New Testament authors demonstrate that the Old Testament is not just on the same sheet of music, is not just singing the same song, but the song, the whole song is about Jesus. The whole song is about Jesus. Romans chapter 10 and verse 4, right before our reading this morning. For Christ is the telos. He's the end. He's the goal. He, He is the aim of which all of it is pointed. He is the telos, the end of the law. And for Paul, the law is, again, it's not just about those lists of rules that you follow. The law includes not only the stories of the Torah, which is mostly stories, but includes the law and the prophets and the writings. All of the songs are the law, okay? So for Christ is the goal. He is the end of all of it for righteousness to everyone who believes. 
Moses' song in Deuteronomy 30 is about Jesus. He is near to us in our mouths and in our hearts, Moses saying. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant is Jesus. We confess that Jesus is Lord, which is a confession that Jesus is the same Lord who spoke the stars into existence, who delivered Israel out of Egypt. Jesus is the melody that ties the whole song together. So if you want to share the gospel with your coworker, your neighbor, a stranger, the only way I know how to do that well and consistently is if I'm constantly reading and hearing and singing and digesting the scriptures. And all of them point to Jesus. All of them point to Jesus. So you can just talk about Jesus. You can talk about Jesus. And I didn't say this in the first service, but it's not always comfortable. You don't always get a good hearing. You don't always get to be um, the thoughtful, cool guy. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Most of you already know that something's going to happen in this room next Saturday night. Um, By God's grace, Lord willing, they haven't kicked me out yet. I will be ordained to the priesthood. And one of the things that comes with the role and the office of priest is to be a teacher, to be a preacher. It's kind of the job. It's, It's a big part of it to lead others into delight and to help them to see Jesus clearly from the scriptures. And I just love to do that. Um, But one of the things that comes with that, and it doesn't really matter, I don't think, if you're wearing robes on Sunday morning, or if you're just wearing a button-up suit or holes in your jeans, we all have a tendency to clericalism. That the guy whose job that is, he does that on Sunday, And I do something else. We could say the same thing about youth pastors or children's ministers or nursery workers or any of the other gifts in the body of Christ. Oh, that's their gift. Oh, that's their job. And that's just not true. That's just not true. If I'm the only one to speak, how will our children who are not in this room hear it regularly. If that's only my job, most people are converted to the faith before the age of 20. So if it's just my job to be sent out and to be a speaker of the good news, then our kids are in trouble. And it's not just about our kids. It's about every area of life in which you have specific gifts and experiences in which you can articulate the gospel and good news and relationship, that there's no way that I could do that or anyone else except for you in your particular place and time and in those relationships you have. So I would encourage you 
to hear this word for yourself. It's not a private good news. It's for all the world, all the nations, every person. But like a conductor in an orchestra, and Father Ben is our conductor, and I just, like a child, play at it, and I try to be a good conductor. I'm like the elementary school conductor. We don't play the music. You do. As much as I am able, I will exalt Jesus and try to keep us on the same sheet of music. I might be able to help you tune your instruments or memorize your parts and conduct as best I can. But if you don't play, if we don't join in on this song together, it all falls apart. It all falls apart. And I want to end with this wonderfully, you might think it's boring, but it's not. One of the canons of the province of the Anglican Church, North America. Canon 10. This is what we're about. The people of God are the chief agents of the mission of the church to extend the kingdom of God by so presenting Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit that people everywhere er, everywhere will come to put their trust in God through him, know him as Savior, and serve him as Lord in the fellowship of the church. And so with Moses and with Paul, we join in the song. The word of God is near. It's in my mouth and in my heart. And God, would that you would give us the grace to confess this with our mouths, that Jesus is Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit so that all people might hear. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.